This is the Shift Podcast. Today in the podcast, Joe McIntosh, auto journalist, chats with us about Ford's first fully electric pickup truck, plus their hybrid version of the truck too. Is electricity the future of the cars? Is it? Or is it hybrids? Is it hydrogen? We chat about all those things. Plus, we look at all the crazy new types of cars that are hitting the roads in 2021. And there are some cool ones, that's for sure. Holy moly impressive. It's coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. So is Blaine Kylo. We talk video games. Resident Evil 8. Ryan is so excited to play the game that uh, Blaine and Ryan do nerd out about it just a little bit. Plus, are you okay with tigers? Free in your neighborhood. Are you okay? You can participate too at 877-399-9898. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with tigers? At a distance? Sure. Behind a fence? That's a good that's a yeah. good way of putting it. Have you ever seen a tiger in a zoo? Yeah. Cuz I think they're the, the coolest. No, and there's a reason <laughs> why. I don't want to be mauled <laughs> by a tiger, especially after mm-hmm. watching Tiger King and seeing what they can do and they're not right. happy. Right. No, thank you. Not to mention they get pretty hungry. I have been to some those uh, more smaller places where they have tigers in cages and stuff and we can get the up close and personal thing. That's kind of cool. But I don't know. If you think of The Hangover, for example, and you walk into your hotel room in Vegas and there's a tiger there, thanks, Mike Tyson. It's that just, would be right. This is a big cat. Just think just of it a as a cat. big cat. Yeah, just a kitty cat. Give it a scratch. Police in a fancy schmancy Texas neighborhood searched Tuesday for a fugitive and his pet Bengal tiger. The man who already had legal troubles was arrested Monday night for felony evasion of arrest after loading the tiger into a car and driving away. Just as police learned, just as police arrived at his home in Houston, so apparently. If that's not weird enough, the story gets weirder. Here's more from KPRC Local News. Why is there a tiger? This shocking viral video capturing a tiger on a Mother's Day prowl in this West Houston community full of families. Neighbors like Gigi and Luke Roderick telling me they're still in shock. The guy's two houses down from us and uh, had no idea that he had the tiger. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. When Deputy Wes Mannion heard a tiger was loose in his own neighborhood, he rushed over with his service weapon drawn. At no point in time did I want to uh, kill a tiger. With his eyes peeled for cars or kids, Mannion spotted a man who appeared to be the tiger's owner. Get the f*** inside. Who he says kissed the big cat before leading it inside. I told him to get his tiger back inside as quickly as possible, um, just for the protection of the neighborhood and everybody around. Cops are here! When Houston police arrived, an even more bizarre scene unfolded. The owner put the tiger in a white SUV and drove off. Uh, he jumps his own curb, goes through his yard, and then uh, down the road here. Tiger in the car. Tiger in the back, yep. Well, I hope he opened up the window and let the tiger hang his head out when he was driving. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I got to respect that cop for not shooting the tiger. That That's pretty amazing. Like this guy was standing less than, you know, 10 feet away from a tiger and he didn't shoot the tiger. Mm-hmm. Respect. Bengal tigers weigh up to 717 pounds. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And their canines are up to 10 centimeters or just about four inches long. Yeah. No Ouch. Thanks. Right. So the man was able to evade authorities until Monday as he drove away with his tiger. The only problem is, is the the cat is still out of the bag. Police have found the man. They are yet to find the tiger in Texas. There's a tiger hidden somewhere at some friend's house, I guess. <laughs> That's so stupid. That poor tiger deserves to be somewhere where he can roam around and put those canines to use, not in a hot, dry American state after being pet by a accused murderer. Uh, hey, Ryan, I need your help, yeah. man. I got yeah, you. I need Anything. You, to, I need you. 
need you to take care of my tiger for me for a little bit. Oh, that's <laughs> that's fine, dude. He could show his claws. I'll take out my white claws. We'll have a great time, bro. <laughs> white claws all around, man. The Bengal tiger is from a specific population of the Panthera tigris tigris subspecies on the Indian subcontinent. So, if you happen to uh, come across a tiger, for example, if you're listening online to The Shift, and you do happen to come across a tiger, and you're thinking, wow, that's a strange place for a tiger, might be related to this story. Just saying. Although, how amazing would it be if you're driving down the highway, Trans-Canada road trip, and there's a guy goes by you, window down tiger head out the window just enjoying the wind (laughs) what the actual meow I like it I like it a lot are you okay are you okay with bluegrass (sighs) suik it seems to fit better with Texas than tigers Ooh, good one. Nice. Ryan's just happy because Brendan just glazed over the... That's a typo. Okay, so what about covers of songs that are bluegrass? Um, I I think it's... Bluegrass is, I mean, pretty... Most bluegrass music sounds similar because it's the mm. same instruments over and over, right? So when you take a song that's not bluegrass and find a way to incorporate a banjo or slap in a bass or whatever, yeah, that's cool. As long as it's not like a weird song yeah. to cover. As long as the bass gives you permission to slap it first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's got to be like creative. It's got to be something you wouldn't think could translate to bluegrass. And if you could do right. it well, then, oh yeah, then I'm all about it. Well, uh, country singer, Canadian country singer, Dan Davidson from Edmonton, he, uh, you know, started a, a second group, a subgenre of his own country music, if you will. And he needed a name for that group. And he couldn't, couldn't quite figure out the name. And he was in the dollar store and he saw popcorn, which happens to be my tribute right here. This is the exact oh. brand of popcorn that inspires the name for his bluegrass band, which is Dee Dee and the Butter Lovers. <laughs> it's the butter lovers popcorn is that what it's called butter lovers popcorn well this is this is the uh the it's called the this is the flavor is the butter lovers yeah oh i see i see it's okay. act two act two butter lovers anyway so the um so dan davidson needed a name for his band he was in the dollar store he saw the popcorn he's like butter lovers that's a great name for a band so it's dd and the butter lovers and they've done bluegrass remixes of all kinds of music now with the passing recently of dmx he decided he wanted to put together a bluegrass cover with Dee Dee and the Butter Lovers as a tribute to DMX. And Uh-oh. X gon' give it to you. All right, so... um, Oh, my. Brendan's face. I wish you all could have seen Brendan's eyebrows there. They went on a journey throughout that song, up and down. (laughs) It was amazing. I I enjoyed it, and then then I started to think it really changed the song and the words a bit too much. (laughs) A little too much? You thought it was all right? Okay, for those who didn't grow up with DMX, who is one of the best... Of all of the rappers of all time, I would say he's certainly in that top grouping and most influential. And his his music really stood the test of time. If you drop DMX back in the old days when we used to have bars and nightclubs, if you had dropped DMX, the place would go bananas no matter the age group. So can you just get the beginning of that clip one more time for me, brother? All right. So you get the idea. This is the song. Oh, that's not the right one. Anyway. That's a different song. That's the character. Yeah. That's the wrong that's, song, no, Shane. No, that was wrong. That's X. Yeah, so it's not X going to give it to you. All right. Well, now that backfired, didn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Let me fix Maybe that. Sounding engine. Huh? Yeah, That's party. Uh, party mind. up. Yeah. Party up. I think so. Party up in here. Let's just do it. Should we do it? Party up. Should we just do a cold? Uh, you never know what's it. at the very top, man. You never know what's at the top of the song when it comes up with the when it comes up with the uh, the e the, the the e on the beginning. Yeah, there it is. It is. It's party up. All right, so it's not X going to give to you. It's party out. But there you go. Regardless, turns out this is actually a bit of a thing where people take these songs and make bluegrass covers of them. Dee Dee and the Butter Lovers on YouTube. Check it out. Dan is Canadian. He's from Edmonton. He's amazing. And But there are other bands that do this, too. So in the spirit of looking around, how about a bluegrass cover of Rocket Man done by Iron Horse? It's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round again to find. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning atmospheres of heaven. That really does bring to the, uh, yeah. the evidence that a good song just sort of translates no matter how you do mm, it. Yeah. Right? That's a great point. So, how about uh, this is. Stephen, Stephen and Seagulls. You mean? Is this like Finnish? Okay, Finnish. Yeah. Uh, So this is Stephen (laughs) Seagulls. You've been thunderstruck. Kind of fun. It's quite That's a neat. bit of a knee snapper. Can we just all acknowledge banjo players and their ability oh, yeah, to yeah. do that many things that fast? Mm-hmm. Pretty good stuff. Are you okay? Are you okay with stocking up? Yeah, sometimes you gotta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's only one thing that I stock up on. Video games? Hawkins cheesies. Oh, Hawkins cheesies. <laughs> if the if the apartment's running dry in Hawkins cheesies, I'm a grumpy man. So you go to yeah. Costco and get the big big things at Costco because they have Hawkins cheesies at Costco. Oh, see, oh. Brennan has some, and you want to know? I forgot to yeah. buy some today, so I gotta go to Costco tomorrow. The vending machine man came to Chorus Vancouver, so we got, oh. and it, they must Update. be popular because he like put a whole row. It's just Hawkins cheesies. Yeah, Matt nice. MacArthur likes them too. He's got a little yeah. addiction on those. Yeah. Proudly Canadian, those Hawkins cheesies. I like stocking up. Sometimes you got to stock up on a few things, right? I mean, I don't mean a la COVID with toilet paper lining both sides of your garage from floor to ceiling, like the one guy that I walked by and his garage door was open. It was toilet paper all the way down all the walls. But I mean, sometimes you got to stock up. It's okay to have a little extra KD and maybe some soup, some stag chili around, right? A little mm-hmm. extra, you know, a couple of, um, bottles of vodka for the tough days or, or maybe some daiquiri mix or pina colada mix or margarita mix. You never know when you're going to need that stuff, right? This is not the kind of stocking up, though, um, that you would think. Residents in some U.S. states um, aren't really stocking up as much as they're panic buying gasoline. With the Colonial Pipeline hack that happened, now they've restarted that pipeline now. It's not running yet, delivering, but they're starting to get it moving. There have been fuel shortages down in the States, just down in that southeast corner where that pipeline runs, not everywhere. So that supplies about 45% of those states' fuel. And Mm -hmm. it was hacked, and they shut it down. On Wednesday, official reminded Americans not to worry too much. I mean, if you need gas, you need gas, but don't pour gasoline into plastic bags, whatever you do. I mean, jerry cans are expensive, right? You got to go pick up the can, and you got two or three of them, right? How would you get it out if you put it? In? <laughs> they have a those those jerry cans have the they have the um those really inconvenient handles that help you carry yeah. it. Well, you know, yeah. nobody wants that. that. 
Yeah, so don't put your gasoline into plastic bags. Here's more from CBS News. Tonight, panic drivers in North Carolina are sitting in long lines for hours, trying to fill up as the state is running low on gas. How hard was it to find the gas station? This is my fifth one that I've been to. Your fifth one today? Yes. How low were you? I'm on E. According to GasBuddy, 68% of gas stations across North Carolina are out of gas, and almost half of the stations are out in Georgia, South Carolina, and Virginia, four states that have declared a state of emergency. An old viral video prompted the federal government today to post a tweet saying, do not fill plastic bags with gasoline. How much of it is panic buying? The problem is, is that when people see that and you tell them to stay calm, it's like taking a box and putting a sign that says, do not look under this box. There are now concerns about price gouging, with one Richmond, Virginia gas station seen charging $7 a gallon. The panic buying began after a ransomware attack targeted Colonial Pipeline on Friday, forcing the company, which delivers 40% of the fuel from Houston to New Jersey, to shut the pipeline down. There was actually people taking bags. Were they garbage bags? They were, yeah, they were like clear garbage bags and people were filling them. There's a picture, it's outstanding, of a van that has six of these bags filled with gasoline stacked on top of each other in the back of a minivan. $7 per gallon is about two twenty-four Canadian dollars per liter. If the price gouging is there. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how you do that. Like when you, do you tie a knot in the top of the bag? Do you use a <laughs> twist tie? How do you seal up a bag filled with gasoline? You probably don't, which is why it's a really dumb idea. Also, plastic bags are made of gas. Like it's got product of gasoline, right? So you're just pouring gas into something made of gas that's going to spill everywhere and it's going to smell horrible <laughs> and you don't need it either. Cause there's going to be fine. You just create a gas shortage because you're panicked about it. Oh man. Yeah. That's slap the face. This particular uh, gas pipeline will be back on by the end of the week earlier than they expected. Um, some of the states do have high prices, but aside from that, everything seems to be okay. About 1800 stations across the Southeastern U S are out of fuel. Um, but don't don't put in your plastic bags. Text comes in. It says artificial gas shortages will force the green agendas to slowly uh, ochre. Um, no, that's not the case because the green, the, the number one target in all this has actually been electrical grids for hacks, man. Don't try to turn this into something it's not. Uh, look, I mean. If anybody says, you know, if we all used electric cars, this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, the target is the electrical grid, too, there, my friend. So uh, there's only so much BS we can create in this world. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about exposing agendas. That's not one of them. This is the Shift Podcast. One of my favorite people to talk to is named Jill McIntosh. Jill is a car writer. Is that, I don't know, automotive journalist. That sounds fancy, Jill. What do you, I, I, <laughs> you love cars. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, I'm someone that gets paid to put words into the right order. How's there you that? go. That's a fair deal. Usually <laughs> about vehicles, every now and then about horses because of a secret love affair, if you ever follow Jill on the Twitter. But, um, but today we're talking about cars. In fact, we're talking about some new and exciting things, Jill. I mean, we have it's been a few months since we chatted. Have you has your world started to open up a little bit through COVID where you can start to drive more vehicles now? Um, a little bit. Uh I haven't been on an airplane in a year. Uh, so uh we're sort of limited in in how well we can get into some of these new vehicles that are coming down the pipeline. Um it used to be that we would go to a central location and, and drive the, the stuff that hasn't even gotten to the dealer's lots yet. Well, we can't do that right now. So I'm not seeing as much stuff that's coming down the pipeline as vehicles that are just getting into the dealers now. Well, speaking of things that uh, we can't get into, let's start there, Jill, because Genesis has this new wagon, which looks like it is aimed straight at Mercedes, but we can't get it. Tell me about the G70 Genesis wagon. Oh, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And, and 
I'm the first to admit, um, auto riders tend to love wagons more than the public does, which is why there aren't that many of them on the on the market anymore. But this, this thing is absolutely gorgeous. And yes, it is for Europe only because Europeans um, buy a lot more wagons than we than we do over here. Um, one thing I didn't realize was that Genesis is not sold in uh, in Europe yet, and it's it's coming there in 2021 in the in the summer, like, within a, a couple of months. But uh, the company is very smart because, in addition to giving it uh, giving Europeans some of the cars and SUVs that we see over here, it's turning out this gorgeous wagon that is aimed right at that market. And I, I think it's going to do really well for itself. It kind of looks like a, a Porsche Panamera meets a Mercedes, um, you know, and it's, it's quite gorgeous. And the neat thing I think that we often misunderstand about Genesis is while it is, you know, part of the Hyundai group, they've started selling Genesis completely independent and distinct from Hyundai. Yes, and um, well, most most of the automakers who are into that do that um, simply because you you can't really go in and uh, into a, a showroom and and here's like uh, you know like a, a fifteen thousand dollar economy car and they're trying to get you to buy the the sixty thousand dollar one on the other the other side of the um, the dealership under a different name. But one thing I do find fascinating is Genesis has. Um, has a system where they don't really have um, dealers the way Hyundai does. You can buy them online and everything is included. Uh, like the, the price they give you is for the vehicle plus the destination plus, you know, five years maintenance and everything else. And that actually started in Canada. Hmm. We were the first country to, um, to initiate that for Genesis. And actually Korea did it after we did. Oh, no way. Yeah, how cool is that? That is cool. We're the guinea pig, I guess, hey? We were the guinea pig, and, and it, it seems to be working. Um, and the reason they didn't do it in the U.S. is because we have a different uh, dealer network than than the U.S. does. So they couldn't really do it there. But, you know, we were this 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 open market for trying this out, and it seems to be working. I mean, Tesla does, it, does the same thing. But uh, as far as... Um, as a as a, a more mainstream brand, uh, the Hyundai Group doing that here that that was cool. That is cool. And if you go to some malls, kind of like you used to be able to go to the mall and see a Tesla sitting in a store, maybe two if you were lucky. Uh, there's the odd Genesis spot too, where you can kind of be walking in the mall and you're like, oh, there's a Genesis that's uh, you know a store for just that. So it's really kind of cool stuff where they're going. And they're also doing a bunch of uh, electric and all electric stuff too aren't they the genesis they've got that compact sport utility one yeah there it's coming um genesis just showed its first electric vehicle uh of all places at the shanghai auto show in china and it's a um it's an electric version of the g80 sedan which is the uh the middle one uh there's also the larger g90 and then the smaller g70 on which this uh, wagon is based. So we're still a little in the dark as to exactly what these three electric vehicles are, or the other two, as opposed to the, the electrified G80, what they're going to be. But uh, I'm sure we're going to see them soon. Some really cool things. Now, electric, Jill, I mean, I'm still not sold. I think that these guys uh, and gals have a real thing with the plug-in hybrids and the hybrids, to me, if that's what my gut says. But then again, I'm not an expert. I guess I don't have the inside research. We are starting to see more of that. You've been in the F-150 hybrid. What's that like? The the F-150 hybrid, It's um, I have driven it. It's, it's what's called a full hybrid, and it's the only full hybrid truck on the market. And what full hybrid means is that it can run on gasoline or electricity or a combination of the two, the same way the Prius does. Nice. Uh, you you don't plug it in. Um, it's it's an interesting vehicle. Um, it's you certainly get the mileage on it, and uh, you can you can drive for a, a considerable amount on electricity. Uh, but um, it's it's expensive. There there's no question. And uh, this is the whole thing. All of this stuff is still relatively expensive because the volume isn't there. It, it, electric vehicles are the same way. It, it, it's a chicken and egg thing where um, people don't buy a lot of them because they're expensive. And because 
people don't buy a lot of them, they are expensive. You don't have that uh, that volume that can bring the price down. So it's same thing with, with hydrogen fuel cell cars, which is why we don't see a lot of them. There's no place to buy hydrogen because nobody buys it. And because nobody buys it, nobody or nobody owns a, a fuel cell vehicle. Nobody's opening hydrogen stations. So yeah. it's it's a little difficult that way. It is, and there's some exciting news there. That's a whole other segment we could probably talk about. I, I mean, I have a Prius, and mine is the older Prius C, the little one. And, I mean, it's fun to yep. drive. It's zippy. It's not, like, super torque by any means. Uh, like, you're not going to win a race if that's the case. That's what you're looking for. But the reality is, is when you're driving around town and that meter, the cool thing about it is when you get in the car and you – put fuel in, there must be a sensor on the latch because when you get back in the car and turn on the car, the first thing the car does is prompt you is how much is the cost per liter of fuel. So you enter that in and then every single time you drive the car and turn off the car, it tells you how much that drive cost. And that's really cool. When you see those numbers and you're running around and you're like, oh, that was a dollar. <laughs> I went to Banff. It yeah. was $3.80. And then you see those. So you really get the evidence that you are saving on fuel. And I, I, would, I would offer to people that if you just want to save on fuel costs, like you know, the electric conversation, fine. The eco conversation, fine. But if you just want to save on fuel costs, I would seriously be looking at some of these cars because your day-to-day costs do go down quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I'll say I love the Prius C, which unfortunately isn't made anymore. Um, but uh, and I filled up. I had a, a RAV4 hybrid a, a couple of weeks ago and filled it up. And I thought there was something wrong because well, it only took $20. It's got to be more than $20. No, it, it was $20. But Another thing, though, we have to keep in mind, uh, and I've often said this, is that uh, I get so frustrated because the automakers spend billions of dollars, with a B, trying to um, make these more, far more fuel-efficient vehicles because uh, basically they're they're mandated by the government. The government says you've got to meet these particular fuel standards. So the automakers spend all this money, and then they give them to people who think they're race car drivers. Yeah. And I've always said we could save a billion liters of fuel collectively if we all just drove a little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one thing about hybrids is they do I, – I find even when I'm in one that I tend to drive better. I'm, I'm always – Fuel efficient. I get, you know, I can beat my husband on, on fuel mileage all day long. But even even me being with my my very light right foot, when I'm in a hybrid, I actually do even better because I'm looking at the, you know, the gauge will tell me, well, now I'm on electricity, and yeah. I want to make that last as long as possible. And you probably do the same. I thing do. In your I car. totally do. It's, I get excited. So there's two things that I do. There's a little meter that tells you where you're in sort of an efficient use of power. So when I'm accelerating, yeah. I always watch the cars around me. I'm like, is anybody really accelerating any faster than I am? And usually maybe barely. And there's the other part is with the Prius C anyway, you take your, if it's got enough electricity, you take your foot off the gas and then you put your foot back on the gas again. If depending on your speed, it'll kick into electric mode and just stay there as long as you stay in the threshold of what you're asking it to do. And there's times where I'll go, yeah. I mean, I'll go kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of city driving and just only uses gas to accelerate from a red light. And it just keeps putting yeah. away. You're like 2.7 liters per 100 kilometers of city driving sometimes. It's it's fantastic. And then you fill it up. My Prius is 30 bucks. You fill it up and then you get, you know, 650 kilometers on $30. It's great. Yeah. I, I remember when, uh, you, this is a long time ago when, when Ford um, came out with a, with a hybrid and it had a, a monitor in the in the dash, and it it, uh, it was a tree. It was a picture of a tree. And the, the the more efficiently you drove, the more leaves started appearing on this tree. You were basically building a tree on the branch. That's and right. I looked at it, and I said, I, well, I looked at it, and I said, is that ever stupid? Who's going to fall for that? <laughs> and then I'm driving along, and, oh, man, I got a leaf. I got another <laughs> leaf. I got another leaf. And... and you, you think it's stupid until you start driving it, and and it actually becomes the, this whole carrot in front of you. I, I want more of these. I, I want to do better. Yeah, and it does feel and really, it, really great. It it 
does. It really does. But if it's, I mean, and that's the thing, and that's the one thing that gets lost. I mean, I still don't believe that the electrical system is going to be able to handle all of these cars based on the, the research and the data that you see about this stuff. And this is why those hybrids, this hybrid conversation is so incredibly important. I feel like the biggest mistake we make with cars is that we don't dump the electricity that we create back into the grid. But hey, again, I'm just a dumb radio guy. Now, Ford <laughs> has a uh, Ford has the new 150 Lightning. Is that all electric, Jill? It will be. Um, I haven't seen it yet. It uh, it comes. Ford is going to actually uh, take the wraps off it um, in a few days. It, uh, it from what I can tell, it looks exactly like a regular F one fifty, which the hybrid does as well. But it will be all electric. No uh, no. No tailpipe, no uh, no place to put gasoline in it. Wow. So what's the uh, conversation around power and usability? Because, you know, F-150 users, they love to tow their camper. Well, that's what we're going to have to wait and see. Now, it's it's going to have power and torque out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. That, that's one thing about electric cars. Um, uh, electric car, electric motors make torque from zero. Uh, as soon as you put your foot down, the torque is there. They they can they just accelerate like crazy. So it's it's going to have a lot of torque. It's going to have a lot of power. Um, it, the weight of the battery is going to be the thing um, because I, of course, as, as far as towing and, and payload capacity goes, the generally the the heavier the truck, the less it can pull because it, it it's looking at a combined weight of the truck and trailer well if the if the truck weighs more than the trailer has to weigh less so we'll have to see how that works out um but the uh, but then again most people haul air i own a truck i haul air i'm the first to admit it mm-hmm. um price is going to be a big thing and how long the range is is going to be a huge um uh, thing as well we'll have to see but uh, it, it's going to be expensive there, there's no question um whether or not it's going to be something that people actually work or as opposed to just you know being able to drive around and tell everybody that they have this electric car i don't know how that's going to go we're gonna we're gonna have to see yeah that's interesting one right thing, well the the other thing ford's also uh, come out a uh, little a little more quietly because it's not intended for the general population but the the ford transit the the big uh work van mm-hmm. it's coming out in electric as well and commercial is going to be a, a, a big thing with electric vehicles um mostly because they go out for for a lot of them they go out on a preset route they know how many kilometers they're gonna they're gonna um cover in a day they come back to a central location so that you can just plug them all in and then the workers come back in the morning and and it's all ready to go and if anything, uh, these electric vehicles, I, I think, are, are probably going to make more inroads into um, into commercial uh, vehicles as opposed to how many you're going to see in, in private driveways. Yeah, that's interesting, right? When you don't have to drive them, what is predictable driving. Typically, like a courier will know how many kilometers they're going to go in a day. They could sort of build the vehicles to fit that. That's kind of a neat notion, isn't it? Well, it is. And then the other thing is, is fleets. Maintenance is a, is a huge cost with fleets. Fuel is big and maintenance is big. So you're not putting any gas in them. You're putting electricity in, but you're not putting gas in. You're not doing oil changes. Uh, you're not, you're, because they use regenerative braking, the, the brakes last longer, fewer moving parts. So overall, these things are going to cost less to run. They cost more to buy, but they cost less to run. And if you start getting the kind of volumes uh, if if a lot of companies start buying electric vehicles for work, that volume is going to bring the price down. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I always say you need to do is ask about the batteries. I was looking at the BMW, I think it was the i3 at one point, and because they stopped mm-hmm. making them, and it's just such a zippy, fun yeah. car to drive. Uh, so I, there was one left over, a demo at a dealership, and I said to them, I said, well, um, yeah, how much for the car? And they're basically willing to offload it for anything. And then, so I asked yeah. the guy the question, I said, well, because every single used one for sale is the exact same years old. So I said, well, how much does it cost me to replace the batteries? He says, well, I don't know. I said, I can find out. I said, yeah. So imagine today that I had to replace the batteries in this car. I want to know that cost. Can you quote me on that on this car today? And he said, yep, absolutely. 
and I think they wanted $60,000 for the car. Uh, and the cost to replace the batteries, if I had to do it today, was $39,000. Whoa. Yeah, well, battery prices – see, this this is the thing people don't realize. Everyone says, why don't we have electric cars yet? We nailed the electric, the electric car in 1899. What we didn't get was the battery technology. Battery technology has never kept up with electric vehicles. And – I. The i3, okay, that was at a point where batteries were still very expensive. Pricing has come down. Um, the batteries are smaller. They're they're more energy dense. They're not perfect. They're a long way from that. And and again, you know that that technology not keeping up with it. But uh, you're you're going to you're going to get a point where battery replacing the battery probably is going to be the equivalent of having to replace an engine. Yeah. And when you get to that point, they're 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 almost similar. Yeah, they are similar. And and in the sake of uh, being thorough with that statement about the cost, is I have learned that even with the Toyota, my little Prius and stuff, and that BMW, the example that I gave, those batteries come in separate chunks, kind of like when you used to put a bunch of double A's into your remote control. So if there's eight batteries in that car, you can replace them one at a time as need go. So, I mean, it's not like it's going to cost you forty grand, but it could cost you $5,000 times one, two, or three, and you might have to continually rotate in new batteries as time goes on. So, it's not like it's just, it's an unfair thing to say that it was only $40,000 because those batteries are sort of compartmentalized into pieces today. And so, I mean, in all fairness, it could cost you two, three, five thousand dollars $5,000 to replace one of many batteries because I want to be clear on that. Yeah, it's um, well. But generally, you you get a, a battery that that's you know made up of cells, and and can you replace the cells? I'm not enough of a, a an expert on it to say that, but um, I, I think yeah, we are looking at at replacement costs down the road. But um, I mean, uh, you also have to look at well, if you buy an internal combustion engine, is is that going to be is a turbocharged engine going to cost you money down the road when the if the turbo lets go or your transmission doesn't work properly? It, it's it's they're 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 meant to work and eventually will require repair. Yeah, really cool stuff. All right, Jill, you also not only are a fan of these new cars but the old cars. Is there any one that's one of your favorites right now that that comes to mind? Just to toss it out there for our old classic car lovers. Well, I just um, I, I, my my forty seven Cadillac just came out of uh, out of its its winter hibernation, uh, and then of course the weather got cold. So I, I drove it one day and haven't haven't driven it since then. But I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, I don't think this year that there's going to be as many car shows, if any. Um, we lost them all last year due to COVID and probably going to do that again this summer, but, uh, I'm going to be out behind the wheel as, as much as I can and, uh, just cruising around and having a good time. It's beautiful. Jill McIntosh, uh, thank you very much for the time and the insight and all these fantastic cars, Jill. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for asking me. It's the shift podcast. It is a technological world, and Blaine Kylo is here to help us sort through all of the pieces of this proverbial puzzle. Blaine Kylo, how are you? I'm well. You you say I pair well with everything. Techno. Maybe you pair well with everything. (laughs) Me and robots, hand in hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like it. And then video games, you pair well with video games. I do that. I do that. Yeah. You're like Bluetooth 2.0 or whatever the newest of the Bluetooth blue teeth are. I don't know. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> it works today. It works today. All right, Blaine. Um, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com, and at Solocore if you want to follow along on his Twitter account, too. Let's get started with video games today, Blaine, because I'm going to sort of hand this off to Ryan. He's got a big day planned tomorrow, and he wants everyone to know his day schedule when he's not working. So let's get started with the clip, and then we're going to hand it over to Ryan to chat with you about it. 
As the midnight moon rises on black wings, we await the light at the end. In life and in death, glory to Mother Miranda. It's time to get spooky. What am I yeah. doing tomorrow? I got this playing? brand new gaming chair, Blaine, and I'm going to sit down in it and I'm going to play Resident Evil 8 all day until I have to work. Now, I've got to ask you, are you a fan of the series? Resident Evil 7 is in my top 10 of favorite video games ever. It's the only game I've ever done every achievement for. Like I did a speed run of it. I love Resident Evil. I think I think that you're gonna like you're gonna like Village more than some people. Uh, Ooh, there okay. there are a whole bunch of fans who are fans of the earlier games, like Resident Evil Two, for example, who might not like Village quite so much. Um, but if you kind of got a a real hankering for the biohazard feel, Village is very similar. You're playing as Ethan Winter again. You are first-person perspective, which when you're playing a survival horror game like Resident Evil, switching from third-person to first-person really makes a difference because it, it feels like things are actually happening to you. And when those jump scares happen from behind you or when you turn around when you don't expect them, in a first-person perspective game, they really have an impact. Um, but let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this Ethan guy. Let's just have a listen to this. Ethan. For Ethan. Ethan Winters. Welcome. So he's our protagonist. You were mm -hmm. introduced to him in Biohazard. In that game, in most of the Resident Evil games, your protagonist is this secret agent type, somebody who's really capable. Ethan Winters is not that person. He was an everyman searching for his missing wife. This game picks up a few months after that game left off. You're married. You have a child named Rose. And the game begins with your life come crashing down around you and your daughter being abducted and so this game is all about you trying to save your daughter and you do so by traveling through the village oh, i'm so ready the atmosphere looks ridiculously cool a mix of vampires werewolves and I'm, god knows what else so the main question i have is it scarier than Resident Evil 7, or did they go for a more action-adventure-horror vibe for this one? This is this is where people are going to be disappointed. I like this because it's less scary. It's more action mm. for me than scary, but it was one of the reasons that I liked it more. Um, but you're not wrong that in each of these little areas that you'll travel to, the, the village acts as a hub. And so you'll go to the castle where, where you're kind of playing through a vampire movie. And then you'll go to this factory where it's more werewolves that you're confronting. And the, the freakiest actually is the psychological horror part of the game where there's dolls and it's really Ugh. crazy. And so be, be wary of the dolls. So in a way, Village is kind of like a greatest hits of horror games because in each of these different areas, it almost feels like you're playing a different survival horror because of the enemies that you're encountering and the way that the, the mood is shifted. But Ethan, Ethan is a problem. And this is the thing. There are two things that, that I had a real hard time with. Ethan is awful. <laughs> he has terrible dialogue. The dialogue is is performed abysmally by the actor. It's just, it's almost, you can't even listen to this character. And this is the person that you're embodying. And because the other characters around you are written so well, it's confusing to me as to why Ethan is such a, um, a non-entity in the game. The other thing that's going on here is Resident Evil is kind of buckling under the weight of its own mythology. They're trying mm. to honor all of the fans of the earlier games and try and bring in new fans. And so they're blending all of these different storylines and narrative threads together. 
and it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on. Some threads are tied up and others aren't. And it's narratively, it's kind of a mess, but I still think you're going to have a good day tomorrow. I'm, I'm very excited. I'll keep you posted. All I know is I loved in seven, you started off and it felt like you were in a terrifying movie. And then by the end of the game, you were loaded with 50 different weapons and just blowing zombies apart. So I'm sure it'll be an action adventure masterpiece with some cringy dialogue and some good horror. I'm down for that. That sounds like a nice balanced breakfast. If if that's your expectation, I think that you're going to have that met. Well, now we did receive a text message that came in with a quick question about a different game, Blaine. And um, can you give us uh, 15 seconds of your thoughts on Assassin's Creed Vikings? Um, Yeah, I love it. It's, It's Valhalla. Um, so it stars Vikings, but the game is called Valhalla. In fact, it's the game right now that I'm going back to when I just kind of want to play something fun. The Assassin's Creed games are amazing, open world. You're playing as Vikings in this one, and there's some new DLC, uh, a new expansion that is just landing, and I think it has to do with druids in the in the English countryside where you as a Viking has come have come to kind of settle and so yeah lots of reasons to play assassin's creed valhalla i think it's the best ac in a long time i would like to use this opportunity to remind everybody that ryan will be playing video games all the way through the day tomorrow so mail it in friday tomorrow is probably going to be strong here on the show what's even worse is i get my vaccine in the morning so there is a very good chance that by eight o'clock i'm gonna feel like it's 11 30 at night (laughs) wish me luck Yeah, don't get your hopes up that's what I'm saying. Standards will be low here on the shift tomorrow night. Okay, uh, headphones. Let's get into headphones, uh, Blaine Kylo. I know you love them. Um, and, well, it's kind of a love-hate thing, right? The good ones you love, but the bad ones, it's like, whew, never. Yeah, I, I tend not to talk about the bad ones, um, <laughs> which is nice that we're talking about the Sennheisers today. I finally, I've been talking about them for a while because I've had other Sennheiser headphones, and I really like the quality of the sound. And I finally had a chance to test drive the Momentum True Wireless 2 earbuds, and they are incomparable. The sound quality coming through these things is better than any other earbud that I've used. Um, They are the things that I stick in my head when I'm going to walk the dog and I want to have something playing. The spoken word audio on it is crystal clear. And when I listen to music, it's rich and it's full of rumbling bass and it's got nice chirpy highs. Um, The active noise cancellation isn't as good as it is in some other headsets. And when I've used them for taking phone calls, things were cutting out a little bit. I don't know that they, um, the microphones are as good on the True Wireless 2 as in some other earbuds that I've used. But if I'm just listening the Momentum True Wireless 2 earbuds are what I'm putting in. Have you noticed that with Bluetooth lately? I've noticed that, I don't know if it's an update or whatever, that some of the Bluetooth connectivity seems to cut out from time to time. And um, it, just just for a little burp, and even on Spotify, now this could be a Spotify compatibility thing, that sometimes it just sort of pauses and then kind of like skips through, like if you were uh, moving your needle on the record quickly through some of the audio. Have you run into any of that in in your work with the earbuds? I think that that happens with everything that is connected wirelessly. And it's because your connections could be interrupted. There's all kinds of interference in our world these days. And it could be uh, an internet signal or a wireless signal um, from the source that's been interrupted, like Spotify has had a little bit of a hiccup, or it could actually be the connection between your smartphone and your earbuds. It's just something that we've got to live with if we want to be in a wireless world. Yeah, wireless interference is uh, is definitely a thing. So what's your uh, what's your go-to dog walking song playing, Kylo? Uh, I actually like to listen to podcasts because it's the only chance I get to be informed about what's going on in the world. The Shift Podcast, right? That's your favorite Always. One? Always. You. Appreciate it. I'll send you your five bucks now. <laughs> Thanks for the promo. All right, so where are we going here with uh, the Echo Show devices? Amazon's done some updates on it. I don't know. I i don't really know anybody who has anything Echo. Is it really that popular? It's super popular. Um, this is Amazon's version of the Google devices, smart speaker, and a, and a screen all together in one. 
Um, the big difference with the new Echo Show 8 inch is uh, you get a massive camera improvement. The original uh, device had a one megapixel camera. The new one, which costs the same price as the old one, actually, so you're getting all this functionality for the same price. You bump up to a 13 megapixel camera, and the camera actually auto pans. So if you're doing video calls using the Echo Show 8, um, the camera will make sure that you keep centered in the frame, and you can use the camera to check in on your household remotely if you want through an internet connection. Um, and it's got a high def display. So if you want to watch videos on that, you can, if you want to get recipes on that, you can, um, the echo show five also has an improved camera. It's only a two megapixel camera. Um, so double that of the previous model. It's better for when you've got a small surface space. So it's got a smaller footprint, the echo show five, which a has a five and a half inch screen is what you want to use in those restricted space environments. All right. So um, I find that with teams, you know, that's got that auto pan thing. It's kind of weird when you're on teams and someone leans over and then it, it pans and follows them. It's a little bit creepy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a feature that's so awesome at all. Um, but well, it's not, you know, it's not actually a camera operator. It's just kind of technology moving a camera. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's um, not, there's like, not a little guy in there with moving. There's it, not? You know that, right? Oh, well, that's way less creepy now. <laughs> um, how's the, how is it for sound? Have you had a chance to hear it? I've not. I've not. Um, I tried out the earlier versions of the Echo smart speakers, but these new Echo shows, they literally were dropped this morning, and they release, I think, in June. So um, haven't heard these ones, but... The Echo Show 8 has got two speakers in it, and so it gives you that stereo sound. Oh, very cool. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com. Uh, check it out online, follow along, and you can get all of the info for Blaine. Uh, he goes well with everything. And next week, just to uh, let you know, uh, you think Resident Evil Village is exciting? Next week, we're going to talk about Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition. You know what I did find this week? I didn't know, I couldn't remember what it was called, and I've gone looking for it, is the old Mech Warrior series. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't remind I couldn't remember what that name was. I was like, there's this game and you were like in the robot and you were fighting, and I can't ever remember what it was. I used to spend hours on that. And I, there's Ryan has a top ten best games. I have probably a top ten games I ever played. But that would be pretty much near the top, right? Like that one in Halo. So I found that out and I'm curious to get your thoughts because there is a series five coming out later in the month too. So MechWarrior 5. We'll get more. Yeah, I love it. All right, we'll get more into that. Thank you very much, Blaine. You're welcome. Have fun. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.